0: To inside the album on Don Seckler. That's Tommy Hilkin. How you doing, Tom?
1: I'm doing fantastic as always. And this
0: week we are gonna go through and do a deep dive into Deja Vu by Crosby Stills, Nash and Young.
1: Yeah, because this is Inside the
0: Album. Exactly. We're gonna go deep inside on this one. <laughs> your eyes opened up a little too wide on that (laughs) so uh thank you everybody for listening we're happy to have you aboard like us subscribe do the thing on whatever platform you're listening to if you like video we're also on youtube so we have a youtube channel inside the album check that out we've also got our website insidethealbum.com where you can listen to every episode we've got see all the platforms we're on there's a merch store all sorts of cool stuff all focused around great rock and roll. My favorite thing about Inside the Album is that we get to partner with a charity. So Tommy, tell us about Music for Mark.
1: Thanks, Don. So Music for Mark is our foundation where we bring musical lessons, musical instruments to kids of the world. We just want to keep the music going. So musicformark.com, if we can get musical instruments or musical instruments.
0: You know, and everybody's got old musical instruments in their attic, their basement, you know, that guitar you tried once and never touched again. Take it off the wall and donate it and give it to somebody who, will, you know, pick it up and and hopefully uh, start to play it.
1: Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Don
0: all right so we're talking about deja vu which is Mm. the so this is interesting because you have crosby stills and nash who were already a group had released one album before this they were looking to get a little bit of edge get another guitarist in the band and they had a hunt and they ended up getting neil young to join crosby stills and nash you know it's interesting mix because Crosby, Stills, and Nash are kind of, you know, they're kind of a middle-of-the-road hippie band with harmonies, great music, but not, you know, not hardcore rock and roll, not heavy, not edgy. And you bring in Neil Young, who's this guy who can kind of do it all. So he can do Mm. that kind of soft, pretty stuff, but he's also got that edgy side with the distortion and the Les Pauls and the, you know, the crunch and, and the crazy horse eventually. So it's an interesting mix of guys. We start off with uh, every one of these guys was in another famous band before this. Oh, yeah. So you've got David Crosby, who was with the Birds, yep. and great vocalist, great guitarist, great songwriter. And you're, I'm going to say that about every guy in this band. They're, they're good <laughs> guitar players, they're, they're amazing singers, and they're great songwriters. You've got Stephen Stills, who was in Buffalo Springfield, actually with Neil Young. Yep. So those two have a little bit of history. And then you have Graham Nash, who is in the Hollies, who brings a whole nother kind of pop musical sense to, to this, to this uh, band. And so, you know, all these guys play, they all write, they all sing. And it's, it's such an interesting mix of characters, don't you think?
1: Well, for sure. And definitely, as you'll see, as we go through an honorary bunch, for sure. Uh, the four of them but you yeah know, these ba- these bands you're talking about at the time were huge the hollies the birds buffalo springfield right you know and uh they loved being in those bands but you know it's an interesting way to look at it uh neil young what he brought to everybody what he brought to crosby what he brought to steven stills it, we'll see as we go along
0: yeah and you know a lot of times what Neil's I think what Neil does is like make the other guys better because they're like you said they're ornery they're also competitive guys yeah so there there was a lot of you know there was a lot of a lot of friction in this band um it didn't last long they only had one album well they had the second album they had after this was four-way street which is a live album so Tremendous. you know it's not not another studio album right so even though it's Crosby stills and Nash and Young there's really only one album that they that they did and later on they got back together and did some additional albums but this is the album that everybody knows them for and it's got just like this is another album where it's classic after classic after classic after classic they're just nonstop legendary songs on this record
1: yeah, and when we talk about it, right, everybody, the reason I always say this is everybody had this album in their collection. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah, that's what makes it the album that we want to talk about is literally this was in everybody's collection. Probably in everybody's milk crate. I don't know if you remember milk crates. Yeah, right,
0: it, for the old <laughs> for the old
1: way to hold the record, sure. The only way we could hold our albums was in milk crates. So those yeah. were the days. You know, but Graham Nash, you know, he loved being in the Hollies. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he often talked about the fact how much he loved being with the Hollies, but he sat and sang with these guys and he just said it was, it was just nutty. They were sitting singing in a living room. Right. And when he heard what they were doing, he just said, this is the greatest.
0: And this, um, all, this all came out of that Laurel Canyon scene. So, you know, they're with Joni Mitchell, they're with Cass yeah. Elliott. It's all those people in the late 60s, early 70s you know kind of the hippie vibe of communal living and people just hanging out and you know you i think people were just even like crashing at the house and kind of like not squatting but they'd be there for a while they'd move on and things like that so they, they were in this whole environment of collaboration
1: yeah and what i think that's what spawned
0: this group right
1: i love i love living in a community a commune <laughs> <laughs>
0: So they started recording this album in 1969 in July, uh, okay. finished up in the following January uh, 1970, and it was released in on March 11th of 1970. The album went gold in two weeks, which back then was insanely fast. There was a ton of pre-orders for this album. Uh, was, I think it was over $2 million in pre-orders. And this is back when albums were, what were they, like 7 $8 a piece, right? So- yeah. You know, the number of albums that was sold before it was even released was astronomical. Yeah. It went to number one in the US, Canada, Holland and Australia. Eight million copies sold and it's listed at number 147 on Rolling Stones, 500 Greatest Albums of All Time.
1: Wow. Wow. Dude, you're talking eight million copies. You know last week we talked about 30 million copies. Wow. yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: when you w- yeah, when you get wow. into this area, you're in the stratosphere, you know, and the, the, yeah. these are not numbers yeah. that were reached very
1: frequently by bands. No. And to think, you know it's it's over fifty years ago. man, oh, oh yeah. man, oh man, you know whatever happened where uh, my favorite music is now the oldies.
0: <laughs> Time passes, right?
1: sure it does
0: so uh we'll show the album cover here and it's it's kind of this it's kind of this old school old school hillbilly hippie like old-timey photograph yeah uh and to me it's kind of copied from the look from the band you know I think but okay you know it's that similar kind of look where it's kind of like I guess meant to be like of the 1800s or something you know so like kind of when you take those old-timey pictures on the boardwalk Um, but other than that, some of us do some of us. yeah.
1: (laughs) The Secklers love that.
0: (laughs) So, um, you know, uh, you know, an okay album cover, not the best, I wouldn't say, but, you know, definitely, uh, of the times. The Hatfields and the McCoys. A little bit of that, right? There you go. So like I said before, the anticipation for this album was huge because Crosby stills and Nash. Had just had a a mega hit album before this neil young had you know a lot of songs that were out and and albums that he had done he had worked with buffalo springfield and had some other stuff out so these are all well-known people who got together so it's you know imagine like the superstars of the day getting together and then forming a band and that's really what this was
1: yeah i was going to mention to it you not i was thinking about this driving in You, you don't hear about that in today's world where you know guys leave their bands get together and Oh, actually, in the 80s, they were called the supergroups, remember Steve yeah. and Asia, things and yeah. like that, right? This They call them supergroups. This was literally a supergroup,
0: no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, today you get a lot more one-off collaborations, especially in like pop and rap music where people will yeah. feature on other people's songs. But it's not where they're digging in and doing a whole album together and going on tour together. It's like a one shot. Hey, I'm a guest on this song, and I might appear on like the Grammys with you, or or the Super Bowl, or whatever. Yeah, but they're yeah. not going out and actively going as a super group. Those don't really exist. Although there is, um, there is the Highway Women. Have you seen them?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Yeah. Uh, so they do a version of uh, the Chain by by Fleetwood Mac. Okay. So The Highway Women is consists of Brandy Carlisle, do you know Brandy Carlisle at all?
1: Brandy Carlisle. Okay. You no. got to check her out.
0: Amazing, okay. amazing voice. Okay, great. Uh, Natalie Hemby, I'm not real familiar with. Marin Morris, another good female country singer. All right. Uh, Amanda Shires. And so they, you know, they're touring and we're touring and recording and they've done a couple covers and things like that. But that's like the closest thing that we have to supergroups today. They really aren't as common as they used to be back in the
1: day. Yeah, you no, know, I. The way you look at it in today's world, it's it's all based on dollars. You know what I mean? So Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, with the, in today's world, they'd be thinking, "Can I sell you know eight million copies on my own?" Right? Whereas the, now you got eight million copies, but there's four of you, which makes for a challenging cutting up the paycheck. Yeah. And most people are focused now on just how can I get a single out, put go on Instagram and get a million followers.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Different world, different world altogether. So
0: the the interesting thing before Neil Young joined the band, they actually tried to get Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Winwood to join. Yeah. So they were actively looking for another player who had a little bit more of the guitar skills, I guess, and, and a little bit edgier to try and right. help, you know, uh, just add another layer, another dimension to the band.
1: Yeah, to rock a little bit. Yeah.
0: Right. But those guys at the time, Hendrix and Winwood, had their own huge careers and, <laughs> you know, didn't weren't really open to it. And so Neil kind of, Neil was kind of talked into it. And kind of came in begrudgingly and, and didn't want to join at first. But then he was like thinking and said, well, you know, he can bring more of that rock edge. And he already knew Stephen Stills really well. And he right. knew that Stephen Stills became a better player when he had somebody like Neil to kind of push him as another good guitar player. You, go. you know, so they were looking to give it a little bit more, like we said before, a little bit more of that that rock edge.
1: I would have liked to seen and or heard what you know Steve Winwood would have sounded like. You know that would have been interesting.
0: I think yeah. Steve Winwood. You know what? I think maybe Steve Winwood is a little too much too similar.
1: Well, that's the thing. Yeah, right. You know, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, his his vocals, his his musical work. Yeah, it's kind of similar. It's, it's like a almost like the perfect fit for the perfect yeah, a little too
0: perfect like if you're yep. going to bring somebody in to mix it up it's got to be like hendrix would have been insane i don't know if you know if that <laughs> that probably wouldn't have worked i can't imagine that work
1: i would have liked to see it blow up though
0: yeah that would have been crazy
1: <laughs> hendrix coming <laughs> teach uh, your children and hendrix yeah right
0: that'd be great it's Just insane so um the, interesting another interesting fact about these guys so as CSN and Y, their, their first show, they did one show in Chicago and then the second show was Woodstock to half a million people. Yeah. So that that's crazy, you know, crazy. can you imagine? But it's not like they were all, they weren't all first timers. So these guys had all been on big stages before and played, you know, uh, big halls and stuff. So it wasn't like they were just newbies starting out. They'd had some experience already with uh, live performance.
1: It's not bad for a second show, though. You could always put down how big of a crowd you drew.
0: Yeah, true. Exactly. So one one of the things that Graham Nash mentioned was that generally Neil was, uh, so when, while Neil was in the band, he was generally recording his tracks at home in Los Angeles, then bringing them into the studio. CSN would add their voices, and then Neil would take the stuff back and go mix it himself. Hmm. <laughs> So, you know, and I think that kind of points to, you know, Neil Young, was he really in the band? You know, he was there. And I think he kind of fell outside. He's so different than these guys that I think it was, it was a little bit like oil and water to some degree.
1: Here's an interesting fact I wanted to throw out that all four of the members of CSNNY, they're, uh, they're all two-time members of the Hall of Fame.
0: Oh, that's interesting too, you're right, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, They all went in as solos and and for the bands that they were in. So that's how powerful these bands were. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's great stuff.
0: The other thing that was kind of interesting, uh, David Crosby's uh, girlfriend at the time had just died in a car crash right before they did this. So there was a lot of times during the recording of this album where he would like just be breaking down crying and could Mm. not even function so you know challenging again for him to have to go through that graham nash also had just broken up with joni mitchell so they were a couple living together and everything and we'll get into that in a little bit more detail uh, as we yeah. talk about the songs but he had broken up with jo- so well, there was a lot of you know a lot there was a lot of stuff going on around them in their personal lives at the time and it, and you know Whether or not that had an effect on the recording, I don't know. But it's interesting to know that there's a lot of that, you know, because a lot of times we talk about friction and how it makes good music.
1: Well, friction, tragedy, you know, think about it. Music is emotional. So it depends, you know, some great songs have come out of the most toughest situations in people's lives because they're writing from feelings you know and putting it onto music which is always amazing so tragedy yeah, but, uh, and things like that bring out some emotion that people put into their music
0: mm-hmm. the other uh, one other thing that then we talked about you kind of mentioned this. so the the, the members all kind of pushed each other and they mm-hmm. pushed each other's buttons and there was a lot of critiquing of each other's work so you've got all four guys are writing songs. They're all bringing them in. And then you got the other guys going, nah, I don't like that. Nah, I don't like that. Redo that vocal on, on your song. And that was that's kind right. of an ongoing theme with all of them. So, you know, it wasn't one just picking on everybody else. It was each guy was picking on the other guys and kind of critiquing. Yeah. And I, th- I think they all intended to try and m- just make it better, of course. So that's a- I don't think they're being assholes. But- that can get under people's nerves, especially after you've labored over something and you think it's kind of ready to go, and you bring it into the studio, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, it's just like here's the bad thing, here's the bad thing, here's the bad thing, and no good, you know.
1: And people point it out, you know, it, you know, collaborations are the toughest things you could ever do as human beings, anyway. So think about it, you're bringing in four creatives, yeah. right, who like to create their own way, and then the challenge comes in, and somebody's trying to make you shift the way you create, right, and you know where it leads—fish <laughs> fights. It leads to one album. <laughs> it leads to one album, <laughs> exactly. The good point.
0: So uh, Graham Nash also said about Neil Young. He said Neil is, has a strange energy. He brings a darker edge and a more realistic edge to our music. And but he said it did fit. So he loved the Deja Vu album, and he thought you know Neil's uh, what Neil brought to the table was good for the band at the time.
1: Yeah. Well, he certainly brings an edge to anywhere he goes. That's, that's what he oh, talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah, totally. That's his natural totally. personality. That's the well, thing.
0: And, you know, Neil Young has a history of of working with people for short periods of time. Mm-hmm. So CSNY, one album. He does Crazy Horse, Crazy Horse is on and off. He'll play with yeah. Crazy Horse for a while and then not do it and then go solo. Yeah. He'll do things like he did this album, Greendale, in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was like, a broadway show basically and Mm -hmm. then he'll go out and just do a solo you know tour with him just playing an acoustic guitar or he'll do something like he did in the 80s where he does trans where it's digital and it's sample and hold and robot voices and neil young does what neil young wants to do if you like it that's great if you don't he doesn't care he's gonna do whatever he wants
1: that's when that's when he redid mr soul yeah great great too and with the yeah Great. Yeah,
0: player. exactly. Yeah. And he so, played
1: with Eddie He likes to play with Eddie better too. Yeah. He played,
0: he did a tour with Pearl Jam as his band. Yeah. His, his most recent tour, he had the promise of the real, which is Willie Nelson's kids. That was his band. So he'll mix it up. He has no, he, he doesn't stay in one place, you know, even though his music is consistent and it sounds relatively similar he neil doesn't stand still he's always kind of yeah. moving and he did that and now it's behind him you know the only thing he goes back to is crazy horse yeah that's the band where i think where he feels the most comfortable
1: well i i think for sure of the four of them he's the one guy that could carry a tour by himself you know of the other three guys oh, yeah. i think they they could get people to come but they wouldn't be doing madison square garden you know that's yeah thing you about
0: know him. i mean neil has neil has been producing decent, you know, good music for his entire career. Right. You know, it's got the hits, uh, the, the more popular songs have gotten lesser and lesser as he's gotten older, but still today, I've heard a song that he released last year was phenomenal. It's just him and an acoustic guitar.
1: Well, you know, I was going to mention, you know, of all the guys, you know, I, I've seen them all, but uh, one show I went, he played acoustic the whole night inside Madison Square Garden, right? You think you're going to see Neil Young and he sits down, it was Neil Young, just yeah. sitting with an acoustic guitar. And then the last time I saw him, he played with Crazy Horse, which is a whole nother.
0: Yeah, that's a whole different thing. That's different the world. distortion and the, yeah. you know, the loud songs and the 20 minute songs, and which it's is great. great. Yeah. That's my favorite, Neil Young, by the way. Yeah. The Crazy oh, yeah, Horse. Neil Young,
1: Crazy Horse, the best. All right. Let's All right. It. So yeah. let's
0: dive into the music here. We're going to uh, start off with the opener, which is Carry On. Hmm. If you have headphones on, this part's on, only on the right side. And then when the band comes in, the left side comes in. So it's always fun to listen with headphones. One
2: morning, I woke up and I knew you were really A new day, a new way, and new eyes to the ball. Ball.
0: You know, this song is just, it's so, it's so rich with those CSN harmonies, right? Uh, like that's their signature sound are those harmonies. And, you know, it's the Beach Boys were super popular at this time. And uh, there's probably a little bit of that that they're, they're borrowing from, but just amazing, amazing harmonies and such a great song by Stephen
1: Stills. Great guitar work. Uh, yep. But I just, the phrase I just wrote down is, you know, when you hear that, it makes should feel good and I just said to myself we need more of this
0: yeah and, oh yeah definitely you know,
1: the, the, the harmonies are just dare I say perfect right oh yeah for that, sure that's what and that's what Graham Nash said you know when they got together he knew it he wasn't right. thinking about it. he knew it and that's great what a great song
0: yeah and they were going for perfection on this album a lot and parts of it you know th- there are opinions that we're going to hear here from the band throughout about different songs where sometimes they may have went too far with their search for perfection you know
1: yeah but once again can never forget it's rock and roll just let it happen
0: let it happen and this song actually only took eight hours from conception all the way through to the final recording Mm. and it contains two distinct sections that are bridged in the middle with the proclamation carry on love is coming love is coming to us all and um part of it was taken from uh the song questions which Stephen Stills wrote from hit for Buffalo Springfield mm-hmm. and that so that song appeared on their uh 1968 album last time around so that's kind of interesting there was a lot of stuff here from you know leftover or reworked from the Buffalo Springfield days
1: sure if they were the songwriter they could take it with them sure
0: yeah so they also wrote this song in the middle of those uh deja vu sessions Graham Nash told Steven that they didn't have an opener for for the album. So it was something that he wanted to use as kind of a message to the group. It was a struggle to kind of keep the band together through the whole, even just through the recording. So that was like this feeling of, come on, let's keep it together. Let's carry on. Let's get this done. And, you know, everybody's going to be a lot happier if we can get this and create this album together.
1: So it created a theme.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the opening theme for the band and, and for the album, you know, for them both. So that's amazing. Carry
1: on, let's get through this.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to song number two. This one is Teach Your Children. This is probably one that everybody knows, I would think. Hear that slide guitar it in there? Go by sure can. And
2: feed them on your
0: so that that slide guitar. Do you know who's playing that? No, but I'd love I'm gonna to blow know. you. I'm gonna blow your mind right now. That's Jerry right. Garcia from the Grateful Dead.
1: Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering. It, Great question. I'll have to check it out. Is he playing steel pedal guitar?
0: Yes, he's playing pedal pedal steel. So it's the, oh, the you flat, go. you know. Yeah, the, you see the it platform. on a stand. It's it's best. just kind of a rectangle thing, and they play it like this.
1: Yeah, that and they, they have the slide on top. Sure, that's uh, yeah, like the Robert Randolph band. Exactly. Best.
0: Yeah, and uh, so
1: Jerry uh, Garcia. Wow.
0: Yeah. So so here is so here's the deal, and this is amazing. Garcia had just started playing pedal steel. So he was just kind of learning it and he asked to play on this album and he did it in exchange for harmony lessons for the Grateful Dead. Wow. So CSN gave the Grateful Dead, helped them out with their harmonies on Working Man's Dead and American Beauty. Wow. So it's kind of this trade off. And again, this is that it's that kind of hippie collaborative thing. You know, hey, you do this. We'll do that. ba-ba-bah. Look at that this is something until this research i had no idea that, that was jerry garcia on there
1: no but you know what it worked out the best for everybody now didn't it
0: yeah and it's perfect it's you know for somebody who doesn't really you know isn't an expert at pedal steel it's so perfect it's in the background you hear it but it's not overwhelming it doesn't distract from the melody and the song is is just it's a, such a sweet happy
1: song yeah, everything about it. it's it got a little uh, you know, a little country kick to it there, you know.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Originally, Graham Nash wrote this song, and so it was kind of a they called it a, a Henry VIII style song because it was okay. kind of a British boom 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 boom, boom oh, kind Henry. of beat. Stephen Stills had the idea to to mix it up and make it more of, like you said, like country swing. So it's got oh. a little douche, douche uh, not douche. It's got a little. to I <laughs> <laughs> just wrote a song, You. There you go. But that's the end result. And it's just those simple little changes. And here's a, you know, so these guys really were great songwriters or really yeah. are great songwriters. And it just shows you how another guy can contribute because that song would have, you know, it's 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 a great tune and it would have been great, I'm sure, on its own. But then Stephen Stills comes in and and ratches it up another notch just by changing the kind of the
1: feel of it. That's great. I, I just got the Henry VIII influence. I'm like, what kind of music did Henry VIII listen to? you are <laughs> talking about Herman's Hermits.
0: But yeah, I, right. Exactly. A little bit more uh, British yeah. kind of boop boop boop
1: yeah and that's yeah hermits hermits that's why i was like yeah that's what i'm saying i was like what the hell henry the eighth
0: who knows what he was <laughs> <laughs> yeah his walkman you know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah hey it's good now i get it yeah. it was for- like a pop song yeah, yeah exactly exactly
0: uh, yeah Graham That's Nash great. said that That's the idea life. is that you write something so personal that every single person on the planet can relate to it. So his goal was to make a pop song, yep, uh, you know, or, or a song that would have broad appeal. He, when he wrote it, he's like, yeah, it's perfect. It applies to everybody. And the other thing is he's saying yeah. what Graham said when he wrote this and our house, he didn't know, you know, they didn't really know what they were doing. It sounded pretty fun. They can sing it. Let's do it. And then all of a sudden, he said now, he looks back and people are still singing it back to him 40 years later when he plays it live.
1: Ah, so that's beautiful.
0: Know, kind of a happy accident. But, you know, there's a little bit of intention there. there his intention was to make broad, popular songs. And and that, those songs are both great songs.
1: Yeah. You know, and you touch the world, man. You know, we tend to forget what music has done for the world. Well, I don't. You don't. I get it. Right. I say we tend to forget. It's been my world. So I'll never sure. forget. right so let's dive into the next track
0: this is track number three and this one is kind of really the hippie anthem this is uh david crosby doing almost cut my hair the entire
2: area so good right i love this this riff
0: one of those songs where these guys are where, where steven stills and, and neil young are, are you know they're getting to play some guitar
1: yeah right yeah sure, you it's, could you could hear it yeah
0: a little bit of soloing in there it's actually a, it's kind of it's a little it's a little laid back but it's a, got a little touch of the funk in it you know it's got that backbeat to it Oh, dude, uh,
1: it's a uh, it, it's a blues riff. it's definitely yeah blues. yeah so you know we,
0: Again it comes back to the blues everything kind of is based back to the blues and the you know yeah. when you get into that funk stuff you get a, a it, it always plays off of that that blues bass
1: yeah that's the foundation man yeah.
0: yeah so yeah David Crosby recorded this track with the it was like the last few minutes they had of studio time so it was the last song recorded Stephen Stills said that the vocal wasn't good and he wanted Crosby to redo it. <laughs> and neil's like this is like that neil said this was an amazing he said it was david crosby's best recording so you know it was kind of neil and and crosby versus Stephen stills they, they almost didn't put the al- uh song on the album but crosby really really protested and um you know wanted to make sure that it was on the album
1: wow you know in my world best song on the album so yeah. thank god it made it According
0: to David Crosby, that it was a one take recording. So that's the one take they did. And that's amazing because it's perfect.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we always talk about go home and play this album. If you're listening, go home and play this album, put it on and listen to the music behind it. What's going on? Like this song, we always have to stop. We only do a little bit of each song. But man, oh man, when you go through this whole song, it just it takes you everywhere. It's killer.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, it's amazing and amazing track. And, you know, I love that it's, you know, it kind of still is hanging on to that hippie thing, which is, you know, at this point the hippie stuff is, I guess in full bloom, but kind of at the peak, right. In like 1970. yeah, And then starting to come down a little bit. So, you know, it's got that, it's still got that attitude of kind of us, you know versus the man sort of thing and that's something i always appreciate
1: yeah you can tell the dead influence with uh letting my freak flag fly right
0: right yeah exactly so they were 100 percent bought in and and that was a great song that came out of that sure was so the next track is actually the first neil young song and this one is helpless perfect example oh, wow. of how this grouping makes the song so much better when those harmonies come in he could have very easily just been neil young with the piano and the guitar singing that chorus all by himself but when you get those other voices in there wow it just blows you away
1: yeah and this that's the longest you've gone with a song so you didn't want to cut it off my
0: friend. i didn't that's one of my all-time favorites i'm a and i, I have my neil young shirt on today i'm a huge <laughs> you know, Neil friend i love neil young
1: I, I could have sat here until the end my friend <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about me that was just there's only one word that I, you know beautiful
0: just gorgeous right gorgeous yeah just it, it,
1: if, it, if there's a song better than that i don't know where it is just thank God we get to do this inside the album, man. Cause this is amazing, amazing. Yeah,
0: beautiful. Neil stuff. Young, Neil Young, when he was a kid, when he was six, he got polio, and he wow. was living in Canada with his parents. So they ended up taking him to Florida for a year, hoping the warmer weather would help cure him of the polio. I got you. So uh, you know, or speed is cure. I guess he was, you know, on medication or whatever they gave you for polio um so he went through some stuff when he was a little kid and then when he was like a teenager his parents divorced Neil stayed with his mother and his brother Bob went with his father oh wow and that's That's, that I thought that was so weird I was like why why would you do that to your kids split them up like that yeah so you know a lot of the Neil Young memories that are kind of in this song are sort of bittersweet and you feel it and that's Neil Young does those those bittersweet songs really really well, you know. Whether it's something like this or um, tonight's the night or, or you know songs like that where there's a, a tragic story behind them, I think are are some of his best.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, the tragedy, real life stories. Yeah, again, you know, uh, storytellers. That's what these guys are, and that's that's what the '70s brought to the world. When you look at the guys writing music. They were up there telling stories more than anything.
0: It did change, right? Because in the past, the songs were so poppy and, and light and kind of like there's nothing to them. There's no real deep stories. It was, you know, boy meets girl, boy, you know, loses girl. Those are the stories, <laughs> right? The stories, right? In pop music in the in the 50s and 60s, uh, the songs are very simplistic.
1: Do You want to dance. Yeah,
0: right. right. So now you've got these guys who are really... T- I mean, they're almost like writers, like book writers, you know, they're telling deeper stories with more layers and context and, and uh, different things that have affected them in different ways that are much deeper than just that surface kind of stuff, which, which is what you used to get with pop music.
1: Yeah. And, and today's quote of the day is, uh, and whatever you do with polio, I don't know what the cure for polio is. I wasn't expecting you to. You could have skipped right over it. Yeah. I'm going on with Dr. Seckler. Whatever you do with polio. That's amazing. (laughs) That was my favorite part of the day so far. Yeah, you know, whatever you do with polio.
0: (laughs) Well, they took him to Florida to put him in the sun for a few days. Put him in the sun. Dude, he lived in Ontario. Any sun? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's great. All right. Back All there. right, let's move
0: on. This one is a cover song. Number five is a song written by Joni Mitchell. Yes. And it's Woodstock. Mm. And the guitar is amazing, this song.
2: So the
0: thing I love about this. And, you know, if you've never heard the Joni Mitchell version, you should listen to it because it's a completely different song. Yeah. Um, But the Joni Mitchell version is very kind of pensive and thoughtful. This one is more of a celebration of, you know, of Woodstock.
2: Sure.
0: And uh, Stephen Stills is the mastermind behind this version. And he had already kind of worked out the arrangement for it. And he had been playing it with Jimi Hendrix in September of 69. Wow. So, you know, r- right there you could say, okay, I'm going to play with Jimi Hendrix and Neil Young. These are two guys, completely different guitars, but that same kind of attitude, right? They're pushing it. It's edgy. It's different. It's, you know, so I think that's why when he brings it back, it kind of works with Neil in there and Stephen Stills playing the other guitar part on this. Uh, it still kinda of works out as a great song.
1: And as we like, it's got that iconic riff.
0: Yeah, definitely a great riff. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, and Stephen Stills, listen to the voices, right? When I when I say to everybody, listen to these albums, listen. You know, there's more than just putting it on and walking around, put the headset on, listen to the whole album, right? We hear the four different voices of yeah. these singers. Like Stephen Stills, very powerful, his voice on this song perfect fit
0: yeah and a lot of people don't you know a lot of people when they listen to music they just listen to it on that kind of surface level of hearing the song but when you actively listen to the parts and who's oh. singing and what's playing here and what's playing there you you hear a lot of things that you don't normally hear just popping it on in in your car and and coming oh. along with it you know it's a different experience and and sometimes you can find stuff that will blow your mind
1: it's my favorite thing now since we've been doing the inside of the album. I've really been getting into it. It's you can actually start to hear what makes it a song. Yeah, you know, I mean, some people just think it's the lyrics, it's the music. No, you know, it's the quiet spots, it's the fills, right? Who's playing background, who's behind the scenes? It's just it's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, listen to it.
0: Yes, definitely. And Woodstock was one of the few deja vu tracks where all four guys performed their parts in the same session. Okay. So they were doing a lot of recording and then having the other guys do in, come in and put in their parts. And this is one of the, one of the only songs where they really kind of played it all together,
1: right?
0: Steven stills actually went back and recorded re-recorded one and a half ver- verses that he said were excruciatingly out of tune. <laughs> Neil Young said that was a huge mistake because the track was magic the way it was and you know, Neil doesn't have the best voice. I don't think at all. And his songs, I don't want to say they're dissonant, but they sometimes they have that, it's just that grit and edge that makes it a little bit more real. It's not perfect, but it's still gorgeous in its, I don't want to say ugliness, but you know, it's not like the beautiful, like when you have Crosby still snatched harmonies, those are beautiful.
1: Now I want to say it to you because what you just made me think is you said, he doesn't have the best voice, or does he yeah right it's <laughs> it's, it's situational isn't it though well, the best you, voice You're not kidding because you know when we were just listening to helpless i wouldn't want to hear another voice on there right yeah you know? right it's not so it's like you you hear like so
0: lady gaga at the inauguration did the 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 right. star spangled banner right. amazing voice right. technically great voice but so different than like a neil young because he's you know, high and, and raspy a little bit. And, and you know, he's got that sound that's just more
1: dirty. Yeah. it, it You know, listen, if it, you think about the Bob Seegers, the Johnny Cash's, you know, in reality, they shouldn't be rock and roll stars, but they're the biggest in the world, right? Yeah. Because like Bob Seeger's
0: voice, you know? So Neil, actually, going back to that, Stephen Stills recording, re-recording that vocal part, he Neil was kind of pissed that he did it and he said they had that great live vocal that Steven did and then he yeah. erased it to do a perfect vocal which Neil said sucked. <laughs> and, but the other thing Neil said about this and this is really telling is that pretty much typifies the whole deal there. Most of the things were so concerned they were so concerned with making them perfect that they were better before they started messing with them. So again, he, you know, Neil slot not one for a lot of polishing to get things to be like pitch perfect and exactly in tune. And, and that's, you know, so it's kind of, it's oil and water here, which is interesting.
1: And you and I have talked about it now for the last few weeks, you know, you're going in and it is what it is. Just get it on, you know, get the music, the ones that are done in one take, Two takes, couple hours, right? You're not overthinking anything, and I don't think I don't think rock and roll was ever meant to be overthinked. I really don't. And if overthink's not a word, throw something in there for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know what? These guys and the, the, I see where these guys are at, and they're in that school, the vocal school, especially when when you talk about like Bills and and Graham Nash. I I think there was a lot, a lot of people at this time were blown away by the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds had come out and, and that kind of stuff was orchestral almost with the vocals, you know, so the, the, the voices were really, really instruments. And I think that had a lot of influence on what people were shooting for at the time.
1: Yeah. Well, you got to understand, but all that perfectionist, you know, it, it beat the hell out of the Beach Boys, that album.
0: <laughs> it did it destroyed them destroyed them it sent you know it sent brian wilson over the edge oh, you yeah. know yeah because he couldn't ever get perfect see that's the problem is you no matter how hard you try for perfect you're you're never going to get perfect perfect nah. you might get close and people will say it's perfect but it's not perfect and you know it and so that kind of like a guy like that, like Brian Wilson, it, it really pushed him over the edge and, and pretty much ended the Beach Boys. Is, That's you know, what for, did them in. Yep. For, for most uh, respecting Beach Boy fans, <laughs> self respecting Beach Boy fans.
1: <laughs> and I'm so glad that you and I just naturally are perfect.
0: It's just. Yeah, I'm more of the gritty, dirty edge kind of guy who jumps in one chorus uh, or one verse too soon to tell you to listen to something while the song's playing. We're going to call you Donnie Dirty Edge. (laughs) Donnie Dirt. Donnie Dirt. (laughs) Let's take a listen to the next track, which is number six. This is Deja Vu. Wow. Graham Nash
2: song
0: oh no this is David Crosby right yeah it's Crosby I'm sorry my bad
2: Just what to do Don't you? If I had ever been in before On another time around the wheel I would probably know just how to deal With all of you I've been here before
0: uh this is david crosby i was incorrect there when i said graham nash i keep getting these guys mixed up in my head (laughs) but uh this song he's david crosby said that the buddhists have got it right he thinks that you're you know life is a wheel you get on and off energy gets recycled so he believes in this whole deja vu concept that you Mm -hmm. when you feel something familiar it's from a past life type of thing wow he was riding on a friend's sailboat. He said it, it was if it, it was like he had done it before. He knew way more about sailing than he should have. He knew how to sail the boat right away. He said it wasn't an instinctive thing. It, it doesn't make sense to him. So he was thinking about that specifically when he wrote the song. Ah. But the song just came to him uh, and, you know, was informed by those experiences of deja vu that he had had in the past. Yeah,
1: just that. I, I love and I always have just and it makes me wonder what's going on I, yeah I so good love that little lyric in there man it's just perfect
0: loved it alright let's move on to the next one this is number seven it's Our House
2: I'll light the fire you'll place Nash. the flowers <laughs> in the vase that you bought today staring at the fire for was kind of a Beatles sounding
0: song running. right so very paul mccartney-esque you know yeah. it's it's a it's a, it could be a Card- mccartney song on a late beatles album easily
1: it's got the british influence that's for sure yeah
0: well he's british too grand yeah. Nash. yeah so and that's the other thing you've got three americans uh, well neil's canadian american yeah. but uh, and America. the one brit yeah <laughs> It's a song about their day, basically. He was living with Joni Mitchell at the time. This is at that house that we talked about before in, Can- uh, the, in Laurel Canyon, where all the musicians were living back then. You know, they went out to an antique store and she purchased a little vase or vase. And when they got home, he just said, "I'll light the fire while you place the flower, place the flowers in the vase that you bought today." And when he said that he stopped dead in his tracks and went right to the piano because he knew he had a song
1: online
0: you know a good lyric yeah so amazing when you have two like super talented people and it's just like stuff like that just drops out of like just walking in the house right
1: (laughs) it's just amazing and one thing about this song like i said we play snippets this song grows and grows the harmonies get bigger and better as this goes on
0: yeah, definitely, definitely really ramps up towards the end there.
1: No doubt. And, and chicks dig this tune. They just do. Yeah. Oh, it's a great song. I love it, too. Yeah, and I just said chicks dig this tune, in case you were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move little on 70s to 70s there for you, folks. All right. Little
0: 70s. Little, little 70s in there for you. <laughs> Here's number eight. This is four and 20. Mm-hmm.
2: twenty years ago I come into this life the son of a woman and a man who lived in strife he was tired of being poor and he wasn't into selling door to door and he worked like the devil to
0: you can hear here this is just steven stills with a guitar so you know there's a few bass notes in there but he's playing those all on that one acoustic guitar yeah uh it's kind of a sad story of a man who was born into a poor family finds himself alone in his old age wishing for death to come you know he's kind of this guy who started with nothing and finished with nothing so it's kind of depressing but it's gorgeous (laughs) just gorgeous
1: Yeah, well, you know, Stephen Stills' voice just carries it. It, it, uh, What a voice. What a voice.
0: And Stills wanted uh, David Crosby and and Graham Nash to sing harmony parts, but they said, no, we're not going to get anywhere near that. It's perfect as it is. Oh,
1: that's great. So I think
0: definitely, you know, a good choice there. It's just an amazing, amazing song.
1: Yeah, you know what? When you think about it, right, the harmony certainly might have taken away from the depth of the seriousness and the story yeah right it's
0: going to make it a little too happy right
1: right exactly yeah. yep perfect as it is
0: yeah exactly so
1: love it all right let's take a
0: listen to track number nine this one is an Neil young song and it is country girl <laughs> So... song is actually combined from two buffalo springfield songs called down 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 and whiskey boot hill
1: there you
0: go uh and then they for production wise they kind of went after that wall of sound type of thing that phil Spector used to do yeah so what they do in that is they just layer tons of instruments or vocals or whatever it is there's a lot of it so you get that really big orchestral sound from it and the, the, the recording was mostly done live. Some of the background vocals were over, done later. But Neil Young had said, he was talking to the bass player. He said, what you have to do is listen with an eye to simplicity and think about how we can make it bigger by simplifying it. So again, there's kind of Neil Young oil and water with Crosby still snatching Young
1: yeah. you
0: know, and saying, you know simplify yeah. it instead of getting it perfect or you know really kind of going over and over and over again
1: yeah i, I think he just liked to play I, I mean that i think neil young would rather just record everything live just play let it be raw you know get it out right and why yeah, not it works and then again you got to understand when you come together as a group you got to be part of that's the challenge right right four guys, you can have your thoughts, but everybody's got to come to some sort of agreement.
0: Sure. And I appreciate that. I I, I can appreciate both sides. So I can appreciate the super complex, a million take, we got it perfect, the vocals are perfect, everything's in tune. You know, you look at something like a Sergeant Peppers or something like that. But then you get into a situation where if you go to play these songs live, it's almost impossible to recreate that. Yeah. You know, oh, because yeah. you've done so many overdubs or effects or things like that that you couldn't carry out live. These days you can do that stuff because there's so much computer stuff. But but I also definitely love the raw, edgy stuff. That's really my favorite. That's uh, my personal favorite.
1: You know, we covered Abbey Road. So the same type of thing, you know, that, you know, Maxwell Silverhammer, you almost broke up the Beatles because McCartney didn't want to stop until it was absolutely perfect right exactly to strangle him
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so the last track on this album is interesting because it really it's uh everybody I love you and we'll listen to it in just a second but I want to I want you to listen to this because to me it sounds like a Buffalo Springfield song it's Mm -hmm. it's credited to stills and Neil Young Yep. And you could hear their guitar work, and it really sounds like a, a Buffalo Springfield song, but let's take a listen. Kind of a burner, you know, rock and roll. right i think that's you know that's one of those tracks that a lot of people are not as familiar with because you you've got this the front end of this album is so heavy with hits yeah like the first seven songs deja vu maybe a little less than the others right but the first seven songs are legendary you know it's crazy
1: yeah and you know what as we often say this music was made radio hits you know we can't can't ever forget it where it came you know getting right your song on the radio you know you were writing songs to get them on the radio because the radio is the only way you would get exposure it really was so
0: yeah um, so yeah and it, i just love though that they dive back into that 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 buffalo springfield sound which i'm a i'm a huge fan of, of buffalo springfield I love that band great band and
1: neil young still carries that with him wherever he goes oh he yeah was, that Buffalo Springfield sound, really, you might have your Stephen Stills in there, right? But it's generally it's the heavy sound
0: Neil Young.
1: The yeah. guitar. That is yeah. certainly Neil Young. Yeah. Great, great, great stuff. Great. All right. So that's Deja
0: Vu. I hope you enjoyed it. I feel like we've done this before. <laughs> so, again, subscribe, share with your friends, like us, do all that stuff. And next week, Tom, we are going to do some Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here.
1: Oh, here we go. <laughs> and you know what? Everybody, all the listeners, everybody like us, all that good stuff. But like I said, get a great headset, sit down, listen to these albums. Just yeah, no distractions. Especially
0: this one. This is an album you can listen to beginning to end, straight through. It's not super long. It's like 30 minutes long.
1: What a, so, what a great album.
0: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll see you next week. See you, Don. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.